and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. You can take your Bibles and go to James chapter 5. Recently, we looked at a couple different records um, that dealt with the prophet Elisha. This evening, we're going to look at a record that dealt with his predecessor, Elijah. And we're going to begin here in James with this wonderful verse in James chapter 5 that I'd like to consider the, the record we will look at in light of this. In James chapter 5, in verse 16, we read, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. There's some wonderfully descriptive and important words in there um, in light of prayer that are important to understand when it comes to prayer in order for our prayer to avail much. In other words, avail much is to get results, to get great results. Too often people pray and they don't avail anything. Too often people pray and they don't get answers to prayer. They don't get the results. They don't see those things that they prayed for come to pass. And in that verse... <clears throat> It gives us some great keys that we should bear in mind when we do pray. That the effectual, fervent prayer. Effectual is bringing desired results. And fervent prayer is prayer that's just that. It's, it's fervent. It's something that's not necessarily intense, but it is focused. It is Prayer that is done with believing. Fervent prayer is prayer that somebody's really, you know, locked in, really focused on what they want to see happen, and then they end up getting that result. So, why don't people get results whenever they pray? Why don't people sometimes, why is it that the people pray? and sometimes they don't get the answers they're looking for. I'd like to read to you a little paragraph from a study called Fellowship is the Secret, written by Dr. Victor Paul Wirrell. And I think it's one of the most important things to keep in mind in light of prayer. In this study, he looks at 1 John chapter 3, in verse 21 and 22, where it says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. And then he states, Whenever 
and wherever sons fail to get prayers answered, the cause is broken fellowship, either from not knowing or not living the word. God is faithful who has promised, and he will bring it to pass. Thus, if it does not come to pass, it is due to a flaw on the man's part. God's faithful. There's no problem with God, so it's man who's missing it, man who's lacking in some area. And the area deals with fellowship. Whenever and wherever a son fails to get answers to prayer, the cause is always broken fellowship, either from not knowing or not living. Now, you can break fellowship simply because you don't know that that is available. If you don't know that God is willing to heal you, then when you pray, that's not something that you go to God with confidence in. It's not something that your heart is confident about. And therefore, you're not getting an answer to prayer in that way. But you can also not get answers to prayer because you're not living the Word of God in a certain area. And if you're not living God's Word, if you're not in fellowship with God, then you're not going to see your prayers get answered. Elijah, and you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah was a wonderful man who walked with God. He was a prophet of God, one who spoke for God. A man who sought to do God's will, and he walked faithfully in God's ways. And he did that at a time when very few people did, when Israel, for the most part, had turned their hearts away from God. When Israel, by and large as an entire nation, was not walking with God, was not in his will. And yet here's this wonderful prophet Elijah, this wonderful man who does walk with God and keeps his ways so that God can come to him and God can reveal his word to him. His word for him to speak and, in this case, his word for God's word for Elijah to pray about. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. One day, Elijah goes to this king, this king Ahab, who was a Ahab, who was a terrible king, um, a king who caused God's people to follow after other gods. He's the one that we, I mentioned, he's married to Jezebel, and she was this terrible woman who had prophets put to death. And God tells Elijah to go to Ahab and tell him that it's not going to rain until he tells him. Now, it wasn't Elijah just deciding on his own to do this. Considering that, did I even read that second part in James? Okay, you stay there. I'll go back to James to read that to you. 
It wasn't that, that Elijah just on his own decided one day that it wasn't going to rain. God told him that this was something he should pray about. In verse 17, after, after that statement that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, it says, Elias, which is Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Now that's quite a prayer, isn't it? Yeah. For it to not rain for three years and six months. And every day, Elijah had to pray that prayer. By the way, here's something I finally learned. Why is Elijah in the Old Testament and Elias in the New Testament? Why is that name spelled differently? Well, blame it on the King James translators, okay? They followed different... King James was translated by three different groups of translators. You had a group working in Oxford, a group working in Cambridge, and a group working at Westminster Chapel. And some followed one spelling, and some followed another spelling, and the third group followed another spelling. So when you find multiple spellings in the King James Version, it's because when they put it all together, they didn't sort it all out. That's the only reason. Anyway, a little, little lucky strike extra there. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18. Now this is what the prayer is, that it's not going to rain. What do you think happens when it doesn't rain for three years and six months? Nothing grows. Nothing grows. It gets pretty dry, doesn't it? We had a dry summer. It wasn't three years and six months, but that grass pretty much didn't grow all summer long. Mm -hmm. You know, we went weeks and weeks. It must have been well over a month that it didn't. We didn't have to cut the grass. Kind of nice that way, but it didn't look too pretty. Things don't grow, and if crops don't grow, then you get pretty hungry. Then you've got a famine. And yet God took care of his people. Even though there was a famine, God took care of Elijah. God made sure that he was taken care of. God made sure that the widow woman who took care of Elijah was, was covered during that time. God took care of them during that whole period of time because they trusted in him. They were in fellowship with God. But Israel, not so much. Chapter 18. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So after three years, and three years and six months, God tells Elijah, Okay, time to go talk to the king again. Last time you saw him, you told him it wasn't going to rain until you let him know it was. Well, go ahead and go tell him. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. So you've got this guy that works for Ahab. He's the governor in his house, okay, like the steward of the house. And he works for Ahab, but he's not like Ahab. He's a man who fears God, a man who loves God, who loves God's people. And when Jezebel's getting ready to go out and kill a bunch of the prophets, he hides them in his house. 
150 of them. A hundred of them hid them by fifty in a cave. Okay. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all fountains of water, and unto all brooks. Peradventure we might find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So that's his job. He's supposed to go hunt out if there's any water left anywhere in any of the brooks, so that next to it there'd be growing some grass and they can feed that to the horses. Verse 6, so they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. You get the picture? They split up. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my lord Elijah? Obadiah sees Elijah, and he recognizes him. And he bows himself down in a, in a sign of respect to him. And he answered him, verse 8, I am. Go tell thy Lord, meaning Ahab, behold, Elijah's here. Go, hey, go tell the king I'm here. And he, Obadiah, said, What, have I sinned, that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He's not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah's here. What have I done? What did I do wrong? What did I do? I, I didn't do anything wrong. Why are you sending me on this Suicide mission, because I, you're going you're gonna to do that. You're going to send, and, and Ahab's been looking for you everywhere. And whenever somebody says that they haven't seen you, he makes them you know, write it down, swear on a stack of Bibles that they haven't. Of course, he didn't care about the Bible. Verse 12, And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee, thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. I know what's going to happen. God, you're going to, as soon as I leave, God's going to hide you someplace else, and then I'm a dead man. Verse 13, Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave? and fed them with bread and water. Didn't you hear I'm a good guy that I did this stuff? And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah's here, and he'll slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. Relax. This isn't a trick. I'm not going to disappear. God's not going to hide me. You're not going to get in all kinds of trouble here. I'll be right here when he comes back. So Obadiah, verse 16, went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Aren't you the guy that's caused all the trouble? Aren't you the one that's caused this problem? Last time I saw you, you told me it wasn't going to rain. And look, it hasn't. You're the one that caused this problem. 
Was it Elijah's fault? No. Nope. Now, did Elijah tell him it wasn't going to rain? Yep. Yep. Yeah. But was it Elijah's fault that that happened? Nope. What if God tells us something in his word and we don't listen to it? Is that God's fault or our fault? Our fault. Our fault. Okay. So whenever somebody doesn't follow God's word, it's not God's fault. If they suffer consequences, it's their own fault. Verse 18. And he, Elijah, answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. I'm not the one that's the problem. You and your father's house, that's, you're the ones that are the problem. You're the ones that caused the, the trouble. And that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. You've forsaken God, and you followed that false God, and that's what's caused the problem. Not me, not me, but your idolatry. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the gro groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Must have been a pretty big table. You know, all of these people, all of these prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of, who else? The Grove, 400. They all had intimate access to the king and queen. They were all welcomed guests. Was Elijah a welcome guest? No. no. Who are these guys treating with respect? Elijah or the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the Grove? That's who they listened to. That's who they cons considered. They followed that God, and they followed those prophets. So Ahab, verse 20, sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Everybody comes in. Everybody comes to this place. You can just imagine tens of thousands of people that are here, here to witness this. And all of these prophets, 450 of, of Baal, 400 of the grove, and there's just Elijah. How would you like to be on, okay, let's, let's picture the football field, okay? You're on the one end, and on the other end are 850 other guys, okay? How comfortable would you feel in that fight? And all of Israel, whose side are they cheering for? They're cheering for Baal. They're cheering for those prophets. Those are the ones that they've been following. <laughs> Verse 21, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, look at the boldness of Elijah. Here they are, and, and what's happened to the other prophets of, of the true God? They've been killed. They've been killed. Jezebel had them killed. And here's Elijah facing off right in front of all of these other prophets, in front of all of Israel, in front of Jezebel, in front of Ahab, and he's got the, the nerve, the guts, to stand there and say to them, how long halt ye between two opinions? When are you going to make up your mind? How long are you going to straddle the fence? How long halt ye between two opinions? When are you going to just... Take a stand. If the Lord be God, follow him. 
But if Baal, then follow him. Make up your mind. You think God's God? Then follow him. If you think Baal's God, then follow him. But this business of one day you're you're all for the true God and the next day you're all for Baal. You blow hot and cold. You're just back and forth, pillar and post. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. That's what he's telling them. Take a stand. Boy, so many people blow hot and cold. So many people are just blown about by every wind of doctrine. So many people, today it's God, but then tomorrow it's, you know, oh, I forget all about God, I'm just doing whatever. But he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? And the people answered him not a word. They still wouldn't commit. They still wouldn't make up their mind. You know, they knew that Elijah by this time had a reputation. He's a a prophet who's done some stuff. So they're not willing to just jump ship and say to him face to face, okay, well, we're going to go with Baal. But on the other hand, they've done enough following Baal that they're not willing to take a stand for the true God. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. I'm here by myself. you got 450 of those guys. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, two bulls, and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I'll dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. We'll make a couple of altars. We'll get the bulls, we'll cut it up, Get ready for a barbecue, but don't light the thing. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the Lord that answers by fire, let him be God. We won't light it. You guys call on your God and and call on him to light that fire. And I'll call on my God to do it, and we'll see which God's really got some power. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Okay, that sounds like a pretty good test. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first for your many, and call the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, they get it all ready, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar that was made. All morning long, from early morning until noon, there they are calling on, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. 450 of them doing that, just chanting it over and over again. Must have been pretty impressive to hear. Must have been pretty impressive to see. Just one problem, nothing's happening. (laughs) These guys get all excited, and they jump up on the altar, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. (laughs) I like that. He mocked them. He started making fun of these guys. He's he's just razzing them. People still say razzing? (laughs) And said, cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey, 
or peradventure he sleepeth, and he must be awakened. Ring the church bells, wake him up. That's where they go back to, by the way, in case somebody didn't know. Those church bells go back to pagan temples. That's what they had them on there for. Okay? They might sound pretty, but that's the origin of them. You can check that out historically. And they'd ring those bells to waken their gods because the gods might be sleeping. And that's what Elijah's saying. Hey, yell louder. You're not loud enough. Ring some bells. Wake them up. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancelets till the blood gushed out upon them. Boy, now they're really serious. Okay? It's not the intensity of the prayer, is it? These guys are intense and they're praying. They weren't praying to the right God. They were intense. They were cutting themselves until the blood's pouring out. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. For all of their shenanigans, all of their show, nothing happened. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Those other guys broke down his altar. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Even though it's divided kingdom, he took 12 stones. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. Digs this big moat around it is what he's doing. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid them on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour them on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Go out and get four of those big barrels and fill them up with water and pour them on, the on all the wood. Is that what you do when you want to get your fire going? No. You might pour four barrels of... Uh, lighter fluid on it to, to sometimes I think we've done nearly four to get it started but you sure wouldn't want to get it wet and he said do it a second time that wasn't good enough it's not wet enough put another four barrels of water on it and they did it the second time and he said do it the third time and they did it the third time 12 barrels full of water they pour on this and the water ran around about the altar, and it filled the trench also with water. It's, not, it's so filled with water, so soaking wet, that that trench they dug all around it, that's now become a moat around it, just filled with water. That's not the way to start a fire. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at whose word? God's word. At God's word, he did all these things. He said, okay, God, let's show them. Let's show them that there's a God in Israel, and let's show them that there's somebody that still believes them. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, 
and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The fire came from heaven. Just God sends this fire down from heaven and whoosh, everything is burnt up. Not just the sacrifice, not just the wood, but the stones and everything's made dust and all the water all around. All of it's just consumed like that. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And I bet you they did. Bet you they got real humble real fast. <laughs> bet you they got real respectful real fast. Because if God could do that to that bullock, well, if he had wanted to, if that was the kind of God he was, he could have fried them just as quick, right? And they would have deserved it, wouldn't they? They fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he's the God. The Lord, he is God. <laughs> oh, we know now. We made up our mind. No sitting on the fence now. Yep, the Lord, he's God. The Lord, he's God. Yep, he's God. He's the one. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal, not let one of them, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, isn't that a great little detail there, if you know the whole story? That's where God had been feeding him by ravens for a long time. Took him to that same place and slew him there. Got rid of him. And that was the end of that. And the people, they said, the Lord sees God. And if they had stayed put, it would have been a great day. Sadly, they did. But that day they did. That day God showed them that there was a God in Israel. They had every chance, but boy, what a great record. That's the prayer of a man named Elijah. You know what happens right after that? God tells him, it's going to rain. And he goes out, sees just this little cloud about the size of a man's hand. He sends his servant out and tells him that. He says, you better get ready, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pour. And it did. That's our God, and that's what happens when we trust him and walk with him in prayer. Bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.